Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. The stars at night are big and bright Deep in the heart of Texas the prairie sky is wide and high, deep in the heart of Texas, the sage. The song says it all, doesn't it? We are going to be talking about UFOs over the great state of Texas today with UFO researcher Jane Kyle. Jane has amassed a wealth of not only historical cases out of Texas, but some that she has personally researched up until today. This can all be found on her website, texasufos.com. Today, we talk about how Jane got involved in UFOs, some of her favorite cases, and just exactly what is going on over the skies of Texas and beyond. But before we get to this week's interview, I want to talk about the recent claims made by a millionaire on national television. Robert Bigelow was interviewed on 60 Minutes recently, and while the interview was focused around his aerospace work, some of the most intriguing things he talked about came up when the interviewer, Laura Logan, asked Bigelow not only if he believed in alien life, but if he believes it's already here on Earth. Do you believe in aliens? I'm absolutely convinced. That's all there is to it. Do you also believe that UFOs have come to Earth? There has been and is an existing presence, uh, an ET presence. And I've spent millions and millions. I probably spent more as an individual than anybody else in the United States has ever spent on this subject. Is it risky for you to say, you know, in public that you believe I don't in, give in a UFOs damn. and aliens? I don't care. You don't worry that some people will say, did you hear that guy? He sounds like he's crazy. I don't care. Why not? It's not going to make a difference. It's not going to change reality of what I know. Do you imagine that in our space travels we will encounter other forms of intelligent life? You don't have to go anywhere. You can find it here. Yeah. So yeah, Robert Bigelow doesn't give interviews that often, and in the past when he has, it's rather brief and tight-lipped. That's why this particular interview came as a surprise to many. But for those within the UFO community, it's no real surprise about Bigelow's feelings on UFOs and aliens. He was closely tied to MUFON for a period of time in which he pumped a ton of money into creating rapid response teams to go out and investigate UFO reports as they were happening. Controversially, all the reports were then turned over exclusively to Bigelow. When that partnership ended, Bigelow then bought up the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, where a plethora of weird shit, including UFO sightings, have been reported. So it's clear this guy has a keen interest in the unknown. 
unknown. I mean, hell, his aerospace company even dons a huge alien head on the front of the damn building. But when someone with his resources and quirky, yet pretty grounded reputation as an entrepreneur is saying that aliens have visited us and are right under our noses, you have to wonder if there's any credence to his claims. I'm sure this isn't the last time we're going to hear about Bigelow and his many contributions to private space exploration. But will we get any more talk of alien visitation? And if so, any evidence or proof? Just like Bigelow's hopes to build hotels in space, only time will tell. Now, without further ado, here's our interview with Jane Kyle. Thank you for joining us today, Jane. Thank you. It is so awesome to be on your show, and I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, our pleasure, for sure. So everyone is always, you know, curious how someone how someone gets involved with these topics, especially <laughs> ufology. This is the first question I'm always asked when I'm on shows. So could you tell us a little bit about how did you get involved with the field of UFO studies? How does this happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always a good question <laughs> in this world. I think, to, I mean, to start out, I think I just grew up very open to everything. I had a very active imagination. I just followed my imagination wherever it led me. But really, UFOs and aliens had sort of remained in the fiction books and movies, and I hadn't really thought to look into it too much. Uh, but then I met my husband. Well, then, you know boyfriend at the time Mm -hmm. in 2007 and he had grown up researching this sort of finding himself attracted to those books that nobody else was reading you know at the bookstore and the library and so he was pretty much an expert on all of this but he's not the type to go and talk about it a lot or write about it I actually had a journalism degree um, from UT Austin and was a copywriter at the time and so I was once I started researching it it just you know ended up online just seemed natural (laughs) so um, I ended up you know putting out online what I was you know finding and you know out locally and even regarding national cases and you know the rest is history I guess That's really interesting. Um, it's usually, yeah. you know, someone has a sighting or uh, they're personally interested from the start. But that's pretty cool that you were kind of like brought, introduced into the world by someone yes, else. <laughs> you don't hear that often. Destiny. Yeah. Yes, it's, I, it definitely feels like destiny. Um, now, there were sightings. So it was definitely my husband in that, that investigation really online. I mean, the Internet's just a gold mine uh, right now and, and ha- has been for a while. But um, I don't know if you remember, 2011 was kind of a crazy year for UFO sightings. There was the Jerusalem UFO, Mm -hmm. which, you know, many people, some people, you know, it was almost a household name at the time. Some people might be familiar with that um, UFO that appeared over the temple in Jerusalem. But it was largely debunked. A bunch of videos came out showing, appearing to show the same thing, but were clearly fakes. Mm -hmm sort of competing with the original footage, which was harder to debunk. It was just one of the strangest events, strangest (laughs) series of reports I ever saw. And it just, I still to this day don't know if that UFO is real, but it it just, it it intrigued me how much it seemed to be covered up and how important stories seemed to be to people. Similarly, it was, was it 2011, March, uh, the Japan earthquake and disaster? Yes. Fukushima? There were a number of UFO orbs 
that were captured by local news cameras, you know, before, during, and after that, you know, horrific natural disaster, you know, or seeming to dance or even seem to survey the flood, flooding and all that. And I saw a lot of that footage and similarly had also watched um, related to that live earthquake, uh, earthquake camps. Mm-hmm. And I think to this day, if you're lucky on a good day, you'll see these lights glowing over, sorry, not earthquake cams, volcano cams. That'd be uh, <laughs> wrong. Natural disaster. Yeah. You could predict earthquakes, you know, that much in advance to set up an <laughs> <laughs> uh, volcano, uh, you know, just over volcanoes, not erupting. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, volcanoes just sitting there, lights going in and out. And and just totally, you can't explain them. And I saw that with my own two eyes. So between this sort of strange phenomenon where we see orbs, these little light orbs that seem maybe intelligent, uh, definitely was affected me quite deeply. And 2012 was actually when I officially started TexasUFOs.com, you know, documenting local sightings and national sightings. So there were definitely events, you know, once I was aware that this was happening and following things, you know, there were definitely sightings that just totally won me over. For sure. Awesome. Okay, so you you have seen them with your your own two eyes. I like hearing that for sure. Yes. <laughs> on a um, webcam, I don't know if it can. You know, on on the screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's as close as I've gotten. <laughs> well, we'll count that for sure. <laughs> well, in that same vein, Jane, is there one case? I there there's definitely one for me. Um, I won't mention it now. I don't want it to uh, influence your decision, but is there one case that always intrigued you or drove you to, uh, become a UFO researcher officially in 2012? Yeah. So I think, yes. So, I mean, the Jerusalem UFO, Mm -hmm. the, um, Japan UFOs during the earthquake disaster, which in Fukushima, which all of course happened in 2011, the more recent ones. But I think even going back to the more well-documented cases, the Phoenix Lights, for sure. And I think a lot of people probably feel that way. It's it's even one, a case that's more known in the mainstream now. You know, just this gigantic craft, triangle shaped, but so large, too, is even, I think, hard to totally determine the shape of it. Um, that was documented over Arizona in 1997, I believe. And that was just such a well-documented case. It ended up being undebunked <laughs> at the time uh you know local officials were saying i don't even remember what the explanation was maybe a military craft with flares or something that's yep. you know <laughs> we hear that a lot but then later you know that was retracted so that that case for sure definitely caught my eye and, and made me think differently about this whole subject Wow. Yeah. Uh, just a fascinating case. You know, I've met so many of the actual witnesses to that event. One of my co-hosts included on another podcast I do saw the Phoenix Lights. So right there, like we have firsthand testimony for this yeah. case, which I think is essential. You know, I'm sure you've spoken to many individuals who have seen things. And that's very important that we have living and breathing witnesses. So many of these cases like Roswell, everyone yeah. that originally was involved is gone now. So that just... Yep. That already, you mm-hmm. know, taints the case. And it's just a race with The Undertaker at that point. So it's exciting Absolutely. to know that 1997 isn't too far off. <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> right, right. It is one of the more recent amazing cases where we can actually talk to living witnesses. Exactly. Yeah. Now, in terms of those researching this and interviewing witnesses, are there any researchers or individuals that have really 
sort of fueled your work? And if so, what about them or their approach do you find most, I guess, uh, interesting or um, inspiring? Right. So, I mean, it's really hard for me not to say Linda Moulton Howe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, off the top of my head, I've always loved her delivery uh, and her dedication to her sources. And as fantastical as some of the things, you know, conclusions she's come to over the years, she always is so good at coming at it from really a scientific objective perspective. <laughs> and I think she just gives witnesses the forum that they deserve. And so I've always really admired her, you know, her being a woman. I think that's definitely part of it. Um, but what was great is I got to see her at, I got to see her speak at AlienCon. Mm, okay. Yeah, which is really awesome. It was basically put on, Cosmicon helped to put it on, but is you know, the ancient aliens. Right. Folks, um, so it was, a, it was a great event, and she spoke there, and she signed a million and a half autographs. She had somebody <laughs> there with her trying to get her from event to event, and she would just linger and, and try to sign as many more autographs as she could. And she was just she was one of the most prominent people at that event, you know, just speaking constantly. So she just has so much energy and passion to this day, and to have so much passion still, you know, after all these years. Um, um, for this subject matter, I think is super admirable. Uh, there's a lot of great voices out there, but she definitely stands out. That's awesome. Yeah, she she really is just such a ball of energy. And I think that's very important when it comes to A, being a journalist in this topic, and B, being a UFO researcher. Like you said, these, these older researchers, they're so burnt out. I've had so many of them come up to me and say, like, I'm, I'm done, dude. Like, I'm exhausted. I, I, I don't feel like I've gotten to where I want to. I haven't found any answers. But they're excited to see younger people involved because that's almost like them passing the torch and be like, OK, now you try to unravel this, you know, thousand year old mystery <laughs> <laughs> if, if we take ancient aliens into consideration. <laughs> right, exactly. Jade, I want to move to your neck of the woods actually right now. Being that you are based out of Texas, I want to cover a couple of the famous incidents in your area. And you have a lot, which is really cool. One of the most credible modern UFO cases was the the Stevensville lights someone asked me recently like what is the one case that you can point people to that's happened in the last like 10 years so could you tell us a little bit about the Stevensville lights and where you think it stands today as a UFO case yes absolutely so yeah that is definitely that's right up there with the Phoenix light lights mm -hmm. as far as you know it's a similar type of sighting um, a large craft we can presume with, you know, bright lights seen by the masses in Stephenville, Texas in 2008. It was also similarly debunked <laughs> right away as a craft with flares, you know, some, you know, like the Phoenix light, you can find a trail of, of those articles but then in more recent years you know witnesses keep coming forward this is a more recent sighting again you know unlike roswell where we have plenty of living witnesses and there was even radar evidence i believe that confirmed the craft and even suggested that it was heading toward i think then president george bush's ranch in crawford <laughs> Texas. Whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah, I remember that actually being widely circulated at the time. But what is kind of spooky is I was looking into this again recently because I do still get we still get sightings out of Stephenville, you know, of, of bright, strange lights and things. Um, but it's actually really 
it's increasingly hard to find the Stephenville Light story online. I would suggest that all your listeners go out and try mm-hmm. on Google because I was I can't. There used to be a site dedicated to the phenomenon, and it, it appears it's not around anymore. It's hard to find some of these stories, and it's really easy to find some of the older articles that debunked it. So I thought that was a little spooky. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, hopefully that's just a little blip. But so I was, you know, I don't really know what's currently going on with it right now or or where everything stands right now because it it doesn't appear to be clear right well that's i mean that's a good point too a lot of the a lot of ufo cases there's no follow-up you know even if the mainstream media covers an event there's their five minute you know segment fluff piece as it were and then we never hear about it again and you gotta wonder is this is this on purpose or are they just not you know responsible journalists and broadcasters infuriating yeah (laughs) very persistent pattern and the more it really appears the more compelling a case is the more witnesses, uh, the more documentation, the less you end up hearing about it over time. <laughs> Conspiracy, <Yeah>. maybe. <laughs> um, well, you know, we just have to make up our own minds. <laughs> exactly. Well, another famous case is uh, Cash Landrum. This is yes. one of the few UFO cases that actually involved physical ailments, possibly mm-hmm. due to the aftermath of a case. And the U.S. government was involved, too, from what I remember. <laughs> um do you do you have any knowledge about this case? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What can you tell us? So yeah, no, I have not. You know, spoken to you know anybody directly involved. You know, just really as a researcher. You know, living in Texas, though, especially curious, right? Right. Um, this is this case happened in 1980, out near Houston in the Piney Woods. So. You know, just imagine a tray, you know, winding road through spooky woods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and Betty Cash and Vicki Landrum were in the car. And then I think it was Vicki or Betty, I don't recall. One of the woman's sons, younger sons, was also in the car with them. And they're driving along and they see a strange glowing light in the sky. They get out to check it out. It gets closer and it appears now as a diamond with the top cut off. So I don't know how, you know, an upside down pyramid or triangle. And they then start to feel heat from the craft. They, of course, you know, get back into the vehicle. And as time passes, it turns out that they ended up getting diagnosed by at least one doctor with radiation sickness. So all the symptoms, uh, you know, hair loss. I'm trying to think, you know, other, I guess, classic radiation sickness Mm -hmm. symptoms. And so these ladies actually ended up suing the U.S. government, I guess, proposing it was their craft um, for these these physical ailments. Now, one part I did leave out about their sighting is the craft, before they got in the car, the craft took off and was then joined by a bunch of helicopters. Yeah. Yes. So this is, again, there's photos, it's well documented. There's even been theories more recently that this was a government craft and that indeed, you know, they should pay out um, to the victims. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that's a, a truly fascinating case. And there are other cases where people report heat and illness, you know, after sightings, even the well, sci-fi film Close Encounters of the Third Kind yeah. is very eerily similar to this 1980 incident, you know, that happened, you know, more than a decade after. 
after, or about a decade after that mm-hmm. movie came out. Yeah, and like you mentioned, trace evidence is very important when it comes to a proper UFO investigation. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes it's uh, that's that's almost our smoking gun. Like if you right. look at J. Allen Hynek's like Close Encounters spectrum, from like lights uh-huh. in the sky up to like abduction or whatever, this is like teetering towards the other side i mean we actually have someone being affected physically by an event so i i think this this will always remain one of the most important cases out of, out of texas in my opinion oh yes i have an article somewhere on the site about you know the top sightings in texas and this was the very first one cool. um that came to mind <laughs> and i know the young boy is still uh speaking about the event i i didn't know i would love to hear what he said about it yeah i i he may still be in your in your neck of the woods i'm not sure but um, i have to look that up yeah he he's recently come forward to talk about it pretty uh, tight-lipped but he is mm-hmm. willing to speak about it yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> You got to wonder, maybe he was the one to finally get paid off by the government. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I think after a certain amount of time passes, you know, the the truth, it's like you have this limited window <laughs> to yeah. really investigate. And then, you know, who, who knows how the story gets spun or what people convince themselves, you know, over time. So exactly. It's tricky. <laughs> well, moving away from the famous cases, I want to talk about some of these really cool cases that you've personally researched. One of those was in 2014 in Houston. Could you tell us a little bit about the Ring of Light and yeah. what uh, what this is? This is pretty interesting. Yeah, this was the weirdest thing. In August 2014, and I think there were reports sort of going into the fall, maybe as late as November, but really just that time period. And in Houston, Texas, there was a series of sightings of this ring of light just sitting up there and hovering in the night sky. It was just witness report after witness report, photos, videos. It was the strangest thing. And there were no doubt some photos of street lamps that did get into the mix. I mean, it was such a mass sighting and it was getting so much attention, even local, even in the local news outlets, not just in UFO sites like mine. I mean, I'm glad to break stories like this, you know, for sure. But this, you know, made it to the the local news as well. Um, So, you know, some people did, I think, you know, see a street lamp and get, you know, excited. As (laughs) we do. Right, right, right. It's just, just natural. But it definitely occurred. And like we were just talking about, that started, you know, the reports came in. It was never really debunked. And then just nothing, just no follow up, nothing. So to this day, I don't know what was going on in Houston at the time, but it, it definitely happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no doubt. Yeah. Um, well, another interesting phenomena happening in Texas and a few other places. I've been hearing about yes. this a lot lately. Um, this is like kind of a new millennial phenomena that seems to be happening. This is the humming noise. And this terrifies me, first of all. There's like these biblical images that come into my mind of like the end of times when I hear about this. Could you describe this phenomenon to us, Jane, the humming noise and what some of these reports consisted of out of Texas? Yes, the sounds of the apocalypse, as they've been dubbed. Yeah, so there was definitely a worldwide phenomenon. I don't even know exactly the year. It'd be interesting if it was 2011. I want to say it kind of was, 2011, 2012, that this worldwide phenomenon really started happening where people were hearing these almost like howling noises or rumbling sounds or, yes, very much almost trumpeting. 
But the more the more well-documented ongoing phenomena is a little bit less dramatic like that, but no less mysterious, really. And we've, we've heard about it in Taos and places like that, but it also appears to be happening in Texas. And I'll just get waves to just certain times a year, just these waves of reports of people hearing this humming noise. Sometimes it's described as like this low rumbling it just like never stops though. Mm-hmm. And only certain, not everybody hears it. For In some cases, it's driving them crazy. And they've <laughs> tried to diagnose this as uh, tinnitus, which is, you know, the, the ringing or the hum, you know, humming in your ear, but have, you know, figured out, you know, by with other people hearing it as well, that it really is, you know, occurring. There's been People have uploaded videos of the sound. And again, it's definitely a real phenomenon. It's hard to say. If it's connected to the the worldwide event, you know, sounds that mm-hmm. we're here. I was doing some research into this recently, and um, a lot of people have suggested all kinds of theories. It could be related to sinkholes or earthquakes. Right, right, or something even, natural, right? Yeah, or even I've heard the theory of fish, a certain species of fish that emits this this noise. <laughs> okay. It, yeah, and then of course, you know large spaceships or mm-hmm. very well could be i'm gonna go with the fish these sounds yes i would much prefer it to be fish that's a little less scary <laughs> <laughs> well this brings up an interesting point to jane like this idea of like one person hearing something and then everyone hearing it we hear this a lot in the ufo field of what a recent author i've been reading i believe is david clark is his name he uh he quoted he quoted this term the ufo syndrome where like one person sees something and then everyone's influenced thereafter you know we look at like the kenneth arnold ufo sighting where he did not see flying saucers he was misquoted in a paper as seeing saucers and then that's what everyone saw after that (laughs) yeah you you have to wonder is this just some sort of hysteria like one person with tinnitus heard this and then everyone claimed to have heard it but you also mentioned there's like there's documented video and audio of this but you do have to wonder like how much influence witnesses have on one another in terms of something like this uh and and its connection to ufos uh the humming noise is it's very intriguing and we have these mystery booms happening around the world too so yeah have you come across any of those cases at all ufo or excuse me mystery Uh booms let's not put an answer to it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay. <laughs> you're going to start a whole new... I know. saying they're hearing UFO booms. <laughs> <laughs> not as much in... I, I'm sure... I feel like I have actually seen maybe some reports like that in Texas, mm-hmm. more so in other parts of the world. And I, I can't think of specific dates or cities right. right now. But yeah, that has definitely been ongoing. Yeah. Um, maybe their propulsion just isn't working correctly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Maybe they just keep trying. They're trying to escape and they can't can't, can't escape our planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their, their, their ships aren't working. Yeah, it's super fascinating. And it's kind of funny how um, I end up with all of these I you know, I'm fascinated with the theory about aliens and I really tend to believe that they exist and it's hard for me not to believe that they visit. But for the most part, studying UFOs, you end up really, you end up finding a lot about meteors, just different sky phenomenons. Because the reason that this ends up on my plate is because it's associated, these sounds seem like they're coming from the sky, you know, and the sky is huge. (laughs) So, so much, you know, ends up on my plate that I get to investigate. And I totally agree with that you know, hysteria. I think it's just human nature, inevitable. But one vantage boy I have is I get raw reports from people as they're happening. And for the most part, when people are reporting something, they're embarrassed. They don't know anybody else is experiencing it. um, And they want to be kept anonymous. They feel that they're alone, even uh, sometimes with this humming. So that's that's not always the case. But for the most part... People don't feel uh, like they're (laughs) – they feel like it's pretty unique to them. So, yeah, and so it's hard – you know, it's very – lends some authenticity to their experiences. I think that's a wonderful point, that raw data and the fact that people, like, come straight to you. That's very integral to being a researcher. You know, I've dealt with that on – many occasions where they don't want to talk about it. People don't understand that people aren't like clamoring to come to UFO oh, researchers. No. It's, we're usually the ones, you know, trying to pull it out of them. And you uh-huh. look at uh, someone like Stanton Friedman who gets on stage and asks a crowd of like a thousand people, you know, who's seen a UFO? And 90% of the people raise their hand. How many people reported it? Like maybe 20% raise their hand. Uh-huh. So right there, there's like 80% of the people who've seen something but don't report it. Why Why do you think that is? You mentioned they're embarrassed, but is there mm-hmm. more to it than that, do you think? I think there's an embarrassment. There's a fear. And there's just, there's not this, there's no public, com- really mainstream public conversation about that. Nobody feels encouraged by anywhere to go report these things, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just, there's, it's, how do you even do it? Right. <laughs> I mean, there's not even a good, you know, you can obviously, you know, if you see something in Texas anywhere, you can go to my site and report it to me mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to look at it. You know, MUFON's a place people can report it to, but you're not going to know of any of these places off the top of your head if you're just going along your way and see something like this. I think people do talk about it with their friends and family and maybe they get kind of shut down or laughed at and just leave it at that. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it, but people do report anonymously. There are 
Oh my gosh. So there's constant reports going into that are flooded into the MUFON database. Um, most of them really don't get seen, you know, the light of day. They might show up on a site that's sort of feeding the reports, but that's pretty much, you know, all the action they'll get. Right. <laughs> you know, and I get reports constantly. So, you know, as we were saying, like how, how to know objectively, well, if I get five reports in a month, or, you know, probably, I might be exaggerating about a hum from five different people, you know, during this month, yeah. I can probably gather that there's something to that versus, you know, one random one. Although there is this huge stigma, it is, it is out there. It's almost so numerous that it, it makes it difficult, actually, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. find, you know, the better cases. I would say that it's, it's a problem, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can imagine it's like a needle in a haystack, like just uh-huh, trying to find something worth investigating, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Well, another one you investigated was, this was in Georgetown, Texas, uh-huh. and this was of a, <laughs> let me get this straight, it was a Pentagon-shaped craft. Now, this is this is a shape I've never heard of in terms of UFO reports. Um, we've got diamonds, triangles, saucers, cigars, um, but a Pentagon, that seems so specific. Could you tell us a bit about this case and what you personally feel it could be? So I wish that the witness had taken a picture of this. <laughs> this is unfortunately one. You know, honestly, for the most part, I try to feature only feature sightings with photos or videos mm-hmm. because, you know, it's just as amazing as, you know, witness testimony is if you don't have any other documentation, it's just hard to prove that case. But um, this witness just gave, it was such a long, detailed testimony about what they saw, and it just seemed to affect them so greatly. And, And what they described was a massive, dark, chalky craft, chalky gray craft, that was so large that it almost seems like they could touch it. Um, but they knew it was up high in the sky. It was just that massive. There were fighter jets nearby. His or her dogs were barking like crazy about it. Actually, I do believe it is a him. Okay. <laughs> it was an anonymous report at the time. Uh, dogs were barking like crazy. Even an owl flew in front of him at the time just to make things oh, all no. the more mysterious. <laughs> it was just, you know, weird. Creepy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they called 911 afterward, uh, tried to get to the bottom of it and report it. You know, we're obviously turned up empty with them. So it was just this really compelling testimony. And then, you know, I put it out there on the site because it just struck me as sincere. And it just a lot of people were skeptical. How could something so massive be there in, you know, Georgetown, Texas, and we're not seeing any other reports? And I, you know, similarly felt the same way because I was, if this craft was so large, we should be seeing lots of sightings. However, I've got to say, like we were talking about earlier, the more compelling, amazing sightings that you expect lots of witnesses tend to be the ones that get you don't see a lot of reports on. It's pretty amazing, but it does happen. So I try to remain open. And so this case is still open to me because the witness has come forward since to defend his sighting and elaborate and draw photo of it. And so I may be sharing that soon. And apparently another person has reached out to let me know that there's might be another a video out there of a craft like this in Georgetown in March. Oh, wow. So I will be following up to see if there's some, you know, more witness testimony or video about this case, because I'm pretty intrigued. It's definitely still open, though, so far. Awesome. Well, I hope, yeah, I hope you get that. I We will yeah, definitely uh, be waiting to see that on your site. Um, wow. Pentagons. <laughs> Something I never <laughs> thought I'd hear. But 
typically the disc or the triangle or, you know, something like that. Pentagon is, is unusual. Yes, very geometric. There's got to be something there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I want to kind of move a little bit more to your thoughts on certain things, Jane. One of the most recent YouTube videos that you came out with covers the very controversial work being done by Blink-182 frontman turned UFO researcher Tom DeLonge. <laughs> you found some very interesting connections between what he's bringing forward and right now with his To the Stars and Secret Machines franchise. Mm -hmm. You've, you were able to sort of connect this to the Men in Black. I want to hear about this. Can you tell us a little about your theories on DeLonge and his in with the government, as it were? Yes. Leave it to me to connect some pretty funky dots. I'm really <laughs> good at that. <laughs> for better or for worse, maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, for those who don't know, you know, the men in black are those, well, what you'd picture, you know, men in black suits showing up after UFOs or paranormal weird encounters and really telling witnesses to be quiet about it or intimidating them. Sometimes they're actually described as like weird shadowy figures to mm -hmm. make matters all just the weirder. So, you know, how does this relate to Tom DeLong? Well, he claims to be a government insider. Mm -hmm. He will be coming out with some announcements soon. And his storyline so far, and he has said this publicly on Coast to Coast AM, and that it's based on his government insider sources, that there are indeed negative ET on our planet, which, well, they're really called the others. Mm -hmm. He really hesitated to define them specifically, where they're really from. And that our shadow secret government has been investigating this and, I guess, combating the, this covertly for our best interest. Mm -hmm. So this sort of leads us back to Men in Black, and it gives a lot. And Men in Black are super well documented. Um, there were even a recent wave of sightings of them in 2016 in the United States. So that leads a little more credence to the whole Men in Black theory, if his storyline has any truth to it. Right. And so alongside this whole, con you know, alongside the, these two points, Tom DeLong also said that he was warned not to hop in, in a car with any strangers. So he's being warned by his government insiders who would, well, no doubt in a way, maybe would be connected to the men in black. You know, Will Smith says they're, <laughs> they're the good guys, right? So let's go along that line. Yeah. So here, you know, Tom DeLong would essentially be working with them and to really wrap up this strange connection is Tom and I have a another separate video interviewing Michael Horn who's the representative of the Billy Meyer UFO case that some people are aware of <laughs> um, because Tom DeLong posted a photo that from that witness contactee Billy Meyer Billy Meyer has largely been debunked in the UFO community people say that his photos are hoaxes so why is Tom DeLong, who's this new UFO authority, posting this hoax photograph to make matters super weird? The Billy Meyer camp says that the reason that there's all these accusations of hoax is because of the men in black. All and right. There are no negative ET. And that this is all, you know, government uh, disinfo. So we have this very, very weird spider web yeah. <laughs> being crafted by these two completely opposing voices in this field and with announcements and disclosure coming. So it's it's a little confusing, and I hope that you guys were able to stick with me through all that because I know, <laughs> I know it's, very, it's very confusing even for me. Yeah. So, uh, but as Tom DeLonge comes out with more and more announcements about this really crazy kind of ancient aliens saga, 
Yep. I think it's important that we keep the men in black in mind and the reality of disinformation and hoaxes and, and all that in the picture. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, we, we've been promised something big within the next 60 days or so from Tom DeLong. So I definitely suggest everyone interested in this topic, keep your eyes and ears stay open. Tuned. Yeah, stay <laughs> tuned. Stay tuned to Jane's website because she's making I've connections. I've all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm always finding out what he's up to and what he's saying. And he did give us a hint. I mean, if you... If anybody who's dug through the WikiLeaks emails, yeah. there's some UFO stuff in there. So it was, it was definitely my duty to find out all that. Tom DeLong, you know, goes is back and forth, you know, with government officials about, you know, coming out about UFO disclosure, you know, officially. So we can guess that, you know, he'll just be bringing these government insiders forward. And I think interviewing them directly for us. I think that, yes, there's a lot of exciting revelations to come, but we just need to keep in mind, you know, who can we trust? Well, I'm excited either way, for mm-hmm. sure. Well, Jane, it's uh, I could tell just in this interview, like your your passion and excitement for the topic, it's it's palpable, and that comes with this younger generation, I think, of UFO researchers out there. So why why do you think that the UFO field seems to usually consist of? I hate this term, older people. <laughs> oh, God, they probably hate us for saying that. But, you know, the mainstream perception is that this field is wrought with old white dudes with beards and tweed suits. Um, but you are clearly not that. What do you think we have to do to get younger people involved with this topic? Yeah, really great question. So I think, you know how we were talking about people's memories and, you know, cases like the Roswell? I think there was actually, while our maybe generation grew up thinking that this was only, you know, Hollywood movie I, movies, I think there was a generation that grew up hearing stories about, you know, from their grandparents and from their parents, you know, even related to Roswell and events like that, and grew up maybe a little more open to this and then turned into those researchers. And also, I think we have to do really good investigation, you need to be out in the field. You need to collect sources. I mean, this is one of the most difficult topics to investigate. And up until, you know, really recently, you couldn't adequately investigate online. So I think, you know, it's just the nature of, you know, people have more established contacts and and journalistic careers, you know, owning rightfully you know, in some respects, owning, you know, this story. But now we have this new resurgence of young UFO. I mean, there's so many UFO investigators now. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just uh, just deciding to pick up the torch and start, you know, filming. And, you know, I'm all about it because, maybe you know, we've had events like the Stephenville Lights or, you know, maybe Phoenix Lights. And, you know, had personal experiences. We're seeing videos online like we never did before. So there's this new, I think, wave just of younger blood in this in this field. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting to watch. But I think, you know, there's room for everybody, though. So all ages, all hands on deck. Absolutely. And like you said, like we take what we learn from that older generation and we build upon it. That's like any Any mm-hmm. field of study mm-hmm. is the same way. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more on that. I'm excited to see younger people getting involved and where they may take ufology for sure. I guess in that same vein, what do those around you 
think about your work, Jane? Do they support it? Do they laugh it off? Is it like a mixture of both? How do people... What, what is the reaction when you tell them you're a UFO researcher? Because I... Mm-hmm. We we both know like this this is uh this is a messy topic and I'm sure the reactions uh differ. Mm-hmm. So close friends and family, you know, I'm I've always been super transparent with and have always been supportive, you know, to my face at least. Yeah, I assume I always assumed conversations happened behind my back. Um, but that it's harmless and it's I wouldn't be into the subject matter if I cared about that, right? Like, there's just no way if I cared about what people thought of me. Uh, but for the most part, as far as anybody outside that close circle that I feel completely supported by, even if they're not believers or even if they're on the fence, they they get what I'm doing. They know I'm seeking truth. And so they they encourage me, right? Mm-hmm. And they will talk to me about it, you know, throw theories around. It's, it's fun. It's a nice unifying topic, actually, right now. I highly recommend if if you get into arguments or whatever, you know, bring up aliens. Like, everybody <laughs> likes talking about aliens. <laughs> Um, but as far as outside that circle, who knows about it, it's kind of on a, I don't bring it up just randomly. I respect that not everybody wants to talk about this or, um, in theory, we all like to talk about aliens, but maybe you don't want to know it's really real. I'm not going to like go and like (laughs) shove that down anybody's throat or preach to them, but it just comes up. Um, if it comes up and I, you know, find that that person's already interested in it, you know, I'll share the the site with them. Uh, but once people do find out about it, they actually end up coming to me, telling me about UFOs they've seen or asking me about cases. So that's really what I get are questions and increasingly so. As time goes on, and I think disclosure approaches, and people are more open about it. Oh well, you hit on a very controversial word there, so I want. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I've got some other questions, but I want to skip to that. Do you believe that we're ever going to get some sort of official disclosure on the UFO topic from any body of government or anything like that? Yeah. So I think to a degree we have gotten disclosure. So you can go on CIA.gov right now. You can go on FBI.gov right now and you can find all the documents that confirm the UFO phenomenon as well as other even paranormal unexplained phenomenons in our serious investigation of it. So I think that's already happened. I think the next step now is, okay, they're real. We've classified them. And I don't mean drones and weather balloons and misidentifications. Yes, that's always going to end up in the mix. Anytime you're studying something unknown, you're going to have red herrings constantly until you know it. It's just part of it. So I think we know it's happening. The next part of disclosure is what are they? Where do they come from? And yes, those bigger questions. Is there extraterrestrial life? Are they responsible for some of these UFOs? That That is a part of disclosure. But disclosure means there are these real, um, maybe the most important, you know, histories <laughs> happening that are be that were investigated secretly and now no longer are. And it's, you know, what are we, the human, you know, American, well, global population to do with this information? Can we handle the truth or can't we? That's, that's, I think that's the more important question. It really is. And like you said, I think these small personal disclosures are what's important. 
the the witness who saw the pentagon or the phoenix lights or the the ring of lights like that's their disclosure they saw Mm -hmm. something they couldn't explain they're going to perceive that how they may whether they're religious it might have been spiritual if they believe in aliens and it's it's aliens (laughs) Um, yeah yeah. like that's kind of their disclosure and the more and more that happens to i think the everyday people the more ready we're going to be eventually if some grand answer were to come from the phenomenon in my opinion Absolutely. I, I agree completely. I think it starts with just these conversations and the acceptance of it. You know, it's like the stages of truth, right? Yep. So I think we're past denial um, and it will be on uh, onto some, it'll be a new world, I think. Yep. <laughs> a lot of people, they do believe that UFOs are alien. Ghosts are supernatural. Bigfoot is a flesh and blood creature and that's that. None of these <laughs> topics <laughs> may you know, become connected. But do you believe that this is the case? Or do you feel that there are some similarities or connections to be made with all of these topics? Well, you know, back in the day, and this is, I mean, why it's fun to always seek the truth, because you're always, you're kind of always changing your mind a little bit. (laughs) Um, And it's exciting. You just never know what leaf you're going to turn over. Originally, I really, I was I like all that stuff. I like Loch Ness Monster. I like fairies. It's just fun. Yeah. But Bigfoot and ghosts, um, you know, it's kind of, I just thought about it as different and not this well-documented scientific thing to study like UFOs. But as time goes on, yes, indeed, all these topics are coming together. And Bigfoot is especially a weird one. The latest, more popular theories from what I gather, that Bigfoot is some interdimensional creature because why are we never why do they why are they always disappearing um why can we never find uh the body and there's been too many i mean it is like ufos there's been so many reports of these creatures Mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes around ufos so that you know that's really taken off and you know what bigfoot looks an awful lot like chewy (laughs) <laughs> He's a very intelligent space traveler and pilot uh, of Star Wars, for those of you who are, you know, don't know Star Wars. <laughs> yes. He's a wonderful baritone singer, I've heard as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's quite sophisticated, you know, but he's a big hairy creature that kind of looks like a Yeti. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it, I think the more and more that we uncover, the more we find these topics that are similarly covered up, kind of, and seem to be debunked or um you're crazy you know if you believe them yes are indeed connected i think so and i mean i you know maybe it starts as bigfoot being a flesh and blood creature as perceived by the witness but then like you said like there's this idea that it could be interdimensional or even i have friends who think that he is a ghost that he is an apparition. But then some people believe that an apparition is interdimensional. So right, right. there, like, they're all connecting. And yeah, it, it, it could be, like, let's start with alien. Let's move to ghost and then interdimensional. It, it's fascinating. It really is. And you know what? We're all right and we're probably all wrong, too. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. We're all right and we're all wrong. Yeah, but we're in it together. It's been a more true statement. <laughs> Uh, Jane, well, in terms of that right and wrong, what's next for you as a UFO researcher? What are you working on now? 
Yeah, so all, I mean, always there's sightings happening. So I'm always updating the sites and researching. I had mentioned Michael Horn earlier. He's a representative of that Billy Meyer UFO contactee. I'll be doing an interview with him soon. So that should be exciting. Ooh, wow. uh, you're talking about maybe t- some more Tom DeLong latest and get his perspective because he c- disagrees completely. So, you know, I'm excited for that. Um, just, you know, hoping to get the content, just take it up to the next notch, you know, on the YouTube, on the site, you know, over this coming year. And I'm dedicated. So. Oh yeah. That's, that's uh, definitely for (laughs) certain. Not going anywhere. (laughs) Your, your material um, comes out every day. It's very exciting. Well, let's tell people where can we find all of your work? Where's the best places to go for that? TexasUFOs.com is where pretty much everything ends up, um, you know, even if I do a YouTube video, I'll, I'll, you know, put it there. So that's a great starting point. Um, from there, you know, you can find my YouTube where I've got videos up and, you know, you can connect on Facebook and Twitter and all that too. Well, it's, it's been such a pleasure, Jane. Like it's so good to see a journalists being involved in this topic and be people as passionate as you are. So from one researcher to another, thank you. I look forward to hopefully our work together someday. And let's just keep looking up. Yes, keep your eyes to the sky. <laughs> yeah, thanks again, Jane, for joining us. Thank you. This is a blast. That's it for this week's episode. Once again, you can find all of Jane Kyle's work at TexasUFOs.com. I wanted to take a moment to announce that the new book, UFOs Reframing the Debate, is now available on Amazon. This is a collection of essays by researchers from around the world, shaking things up on the entire UFO question. Yours truly is featured and extremely honored to have contributed. So please, check out the book and let me know what you think. It's available in paperback and ebook and at whitecrowbooks.com. If you haven't already, please rate and review the show on iTunes. It gains visibility for the show and allows us to grow and attract more listeners. And who doesn't want that? We're on Twitter at SomewhereSkies, email at SomewhereInTheSkies.com, and all past episodes can be found at the website, SomewhereInTheSkies.com. Next week is going to be our first in-studio interview. And trust me, it was a fun one. We'll be talking to the half-white son of a black man. It'll all make sense next week, so I'll see you on Monday. Remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. This has been a Third Kind production. To learn more, visit thirdkindproductions.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.